and we are live today with living the guide life beautiful saturday for fishing opener um i'm up in the brainerd area right now about to go do some uh walleye fishing and i mean i drove by malax earlier today boats were filled up all over the place super great time to get out and i hope you guys are enjoying the nice weather and getting some fishing in um as well as going to go try to shoot a turkey tomorrow morning with my grandpa, so that'll be fun. Can't complain about that. Um, kind of found out right where they're roosted at, and we're just going to go attack it from that angle um, and just get after them. So it should be a good weekend. Do some fishing, do some hunting, and uh, there's no complaints about that. But today we are brought to you by Living the Guide Life, um, Chasing Fowl Outfitters, uh come join us come hunt with us it's gonna be a blast next year shoot me a message if you got any more questions we'll be at squad fest if game fair happens this year we'll be over there and any other kind of fun things going on we will probably be checking it out so keep an eye out on that aspect and then as well as we are also brought to you by bourbon media so i'm going to give them a quick second here and uh, they can speak more about it if you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And there you go for Bourbon Media. Very exciting new stuff. Um, very excited to be a part of it and uh, to grow the outdoor industry. Now, if you guys haven't already followed the Instagram, the Facebook, the Facebook group, um, check out all that kind of stuff because we're going to be uh, dropping some topics in there and asking a few questions of what people think on what they want to do. Also, make sure to go drop a review and erased out on Apple. I'm always looking to know what you guys are looking for and let me know if there's anything that comes to mind that you think would be cool or something that I can fix because I'm always trying to work on to be a better version of my podcast. So let me know on that aspect. But we're going to get right into it today. We are with Mather McCaller, um, and he is a filmer. He's done quite a few films. and does a lot of the Slade Northwest stuff. Um, super cool to get to talk with him. He's done some work with Hunt 41 as well. And it was just a super treat to really understand what goes behind in his mind. And his storytelling abilities is unbelievable. We also just dig into what people are looking for in film. What's too much of this? What's too much of that? And so if you're a filmer, videographer i'm gonna tell you right now this is the episode for you because we dig into a bunch of great stuff that can really make or break your filming um so i hope you guys enjoy this one and good luck (laughs) 
and we are live today with Adam McCaller, and he is a filmmaker, has done film work for Slade Northwest, and also Go Hunt, and he's just got a really neat way of telling stories, and I just couldn't wait to hear more about it, so Mather, how are we doing? Dude, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've been watching the show, um, like the Slade Northwest films for so long. And I had the privilege to talk with Ben Potter um, and Trevor Austin, those guys, and they just couldn't say good enough things about you. Yeah, so how did uh, I just talked to Trevor Bennett as well? Um, and he wanted me to ask you about the film that you did with the train cars, people hopping on train cars and whatnot. <laughs> and one of our friends yeah and so he was our gateway no way I was. um so I thought I'm not he's like all right uh <laughs> Movie's called Yeah. Some like <laughs> it's uh definitely <laughs> love it. That's awesome. Yeah, those uh stories like that always intrigue me on how other people are living and how they do their daily routines and whatnot. That's like something really cool to go document. Yeah. There's a you know, learn from that are quite quite a bit. Like, yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I mean, is there some other films that you've done anything like that, or was that? Um... Yeah, so I, I, I think you guys did a called Dipstone. Um, and Oh wow! So it's kind of like, a, yeah. So, kind of like a silly thing. <laughs> Going with, yeah, find a guy's name. Then you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that movie's out there. If you want to... Yeah. Oh, I... yeah. Yeah, documentaries, man. That's like, my... that's 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, for the people that don't know, you've never actually hunted before. Like you've, like you've been on no, films, so- is what I've heard. Yeah, so I've been filming hunting. I mean, gosh, it's got to be like close to ten years, probably like eight years. Yeah, I've been on a ton of hunting trips, and it was never like like a foreign concept. To me. Um, I grew up around. Hunting. Yeah. Uh, my neighbors all hunted in college. Worked on. Okay. Um, so I was like always around it, but uh, after college, uh, Alex Block, uh, Riley, they approached me and said, "Hey, dude, I know you do like film stuff. Film us duck hunting." And I was like, "No, I'll give it a shot." And I went out to them with uh, in Montana, and it was really just like a good time to like hang out with my my friends, you know, and film. And I really enjoyed like. You know, just being around hunting, and uh, I felt like it was a really cool avenue to uh, kind of practice my craft. I really kind of enjoyed the time, you know. Yeah, feeling it. So yeah, and now you know, eight years later, been on a ton of hunts. I love uh, love being around my friends. They all seem to hunt. So uh, you know, I haven't hunted yet, but I, I plan on doing it. I'm just too busy filming it. Instead of hunting, you know, (laughs) Um, there'll be definitely a day in the near future where I I put down the camera, really go out there, try the other side. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Because I mean, hunting is something else. I love it. It's who I am. And uh, like a guy like you, I mean, you've grown up around hunting and whatnot. So it'll be, got to go shoot some shells with uh, Trevor and all them. Go kill some bees. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be so fun <laughs> that day when we just decide it's like it's today's the day. Yeah, like I can't wait. I can't wait. But you know, it's just like there's so much urgency to get out there with the camera and create these things. I mean, and it's not like I'm not having a good time. Yeah, you know, like I'm going out there and I'm I, I feel like I have like the same objective. You know. Yeah. Get a, get a good shot. Tell a story. You know. Try. You know. You know. I experience similar struggles and the same triumph guys uh, yeah I, I feel like i'm very much a part of the hunt oh absolutely <laughs> yeah and like oh, there's yeah. there's guys that just pick up a camera and just film all the time i have a bunch of buddies like that they don't even shoot the gun anymore they just try to you know take pictures and film and whatnot and i've started taking pictures as well and it's like i love it as much as shooting the gun I'm not gonna lie like it's yeah. super fun yeah it's fun. It's really just kind of all about the setting, right? Like you're there doing your thing. Yeah. You know, everybody's having a good time, regardless of like, you know, what you're shooting, <laughs> whether it's a cannon or a, uh, you know, a shotgun. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And what kind of camera are you using for these films? You know, it's it's been a lot. You know, over the last eight years, uh, it's been a handful of. Yeah. I started off with like the Canon 5 Mark II, which was kind of like evolutionary, like DSLR camera that could also film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really liked that. And I rocked that for about a year, two years. And then I got an FS 
700 a sony fs 700 which was like the one that had like all the slow-mo and stuff and um it was it was great and then um i retired that last i got a so oh i love it yeah that's awesome dude that uh yeah switching up the cameras a little bit isn't a bad thing what's that switching up the cameras is a bad thing getting a couple upgrades here and there no yeah it's i I, you know i'm not like a big gear guy like i don't i don't like love gear yeah but you know um i i I ride it out way longer and way harder (laughs) than most pro video guys do but you know i always kind of feel like it's more about like story and then you know putting it together properly that's as opposed to like you know the fidelity of every you know yeah and just having the having a good enough tool to do that is always awesome but you know beyond making hunting videos i also i make tools and all that stuff so i gotta have i have to be at a certain you know degree of professional yeah (laughs) so so um i can't be totally grungy and down in the dirt all the time so yeah um, i had to buy a new one love it it's great but it's just Oh, absolutely. And you were talking about like the stories that you're telling and whatnot. I mean, how do you come up with like, how do you figure out what story you want to tell when you're making these films? Because every time I watch, I mean, you guys could kill birds, you guys could not kill birds and slay Northwest. And it's just like, I can't keep my eyes off of it. Like, I just love watching them. Well, I'm glad you glad you like that aspect of it. Um, You know, Sometimes you go into it and you'd be like, absolutely, I know what this story is. We're going on like a definitive journey, going to Canada or something, mm-hmm. you know, or someplace we've never been. Then you go do that thing. And you're like, what's the outcome? You know, it's a, you know, simple algebra question right there. Like going somewhere, what happened? <laughs> Did we succeed or not? Yeah. Um, and then there's other, you know, other things like, um, you know, uh, we did one with Pacific Falls where it was kind of like about hunting, but also about their personal lives and also about trying to have a, a, a company in the uh, outdoor industry and what what what's that what that is like and kind of just intermixing those three themes and then, you know, coming out at the end with some sort of, you know, hopeful and promising out. And then sometimes we just choose not to tell a story. Yeah. Right. Like. We just go in and say, you know, we have these two really good hunts from like two consecutive days. Just put it together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think that's totally fine too. You know, I, I love when there's an awesome story interlaced in there, but you know, sometimes you just want to put together some some beautiful shots and um, you know, just put it together nicely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I just can't like the slow played northwest. I mean, you just have done such a phenomenal job on that and i love watching when you guys come out with the new ones i just watched uh 45 seconds of glory that was a great one what was that uh how was that experience down in arkansas you different for sure <laughs> um i've been i filmed a couple snow goose hunts up here in washington and um you know it's when we've deliberately gone out there for snow geese, it's been, it's been a nightmare. Yeah. It's been a struggle. And, 
you know, to the point where you're like, gosh, can I even tell some kind of story here? I mean, nobody wants to like be like nothing happened. Yeah. Like that's nothing, you know? Um, and Arkansas, I've been to Arkansas before, um, uh, never for snow goose hunting. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, we showed up and of course, like we, they had just come out of that crazy storm and, um, mm-hmm. uh, things had completely changed up and uh you know um we went into that and, it was, and again it was a struggle it was like is this this is the same old snow goose story right like for me at least yeah like just grinding it out not quite you know not nothing really happening and then you know we did get our goats you know those classic a, a few of those classic snow goose goes and i was like whole time i was like man what is this story can it be sustained as like a journey story and then you know i'm around trevor bennett all the time yeah. or you know a handful of times out of the year and i'm always just like dude this guy literally i don't know how he lives this life <laughs> you know like it, he is just grinding all the time you know guiding up here driving halfway across the country guiding over there yeah. and i'm just like dude and, and and of course when he makes those places like not sleeping and you know he's going he's just you know dealing with all these decoys and clients and i'm like you know what this is the way through this story yeah i just gotta i, I just gotta have him vent his feelings about what's going on mm-hmm. and um and it was great he was you know easy to communicate with about that he feel like he bared his soul about it so um yeah it was a cool trip and i'm, and I'm glad that story turned out the way it did yeah Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I was watching it, and uh, when he's just like, yeah, I just keep coming back more and more, just get beat up, and I just keep coming back, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. I, I I see you guys do that all the time, and, you know, for me, like, I, I understand that, like, you know, you hate it so much that you, you just have to keep on doing it until you win, Yeah, you know? I'm sure like, I'm sure it's kind of like, you know, nobody really likes to run a marathon. Yeah. Like, you know, you see people like limping across the finish lines or crawling, but they have to finish. They yeah. have to do it because that's what they set out to do. And I feel kind of like that that's kind of that thing that's driving all you hunters out there that are just crying their asses off. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know it's it's an interesting uh I, I was i was happy to try and capture that emotion it'd be awesome to, like spend an entire season with somebody like trevor who's doing that and just like really make like one movie yeah about it like really the highs the lows and then just kind of pack it into like an hour long hour and a half long like film i think that would be cool i think but uh yeah yeah i think that'd be a great thing I mean, there's nothing like that that I've seen out there, like with him just traveling all over the place. And if you can make a movie out of that, like you were saying, I mean, just the highs, the lows and what it's like to really be a guide and do what he does all year long. That'd be really cool to see. Totally. And then it goes even further than that. It's like, you know, what's next in your life and all these other things like, you know, what is your, are you going to do this forever? You know, what's to me, that's like also like the huge part about it. I'm like, man, these guys 
so freaking hard. <laughs> and are they going to stay in hunting forever? Or one day they're just going to not be able to do it anymore? Yeah. Because they've just done it so much. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like Trevor's never there's no way he loves it yeah he loves it. i'm sure it'll take a different different form at some point in time but man i mean you know trevor bennett trevor austin in austin sandman yeah. like those guys that work yeah they're, they work hard they work really hard i got a ton of respect for them yeah and i mean when i was talking to trevor about it and he was talking about washington he's like dude these are some of like hardest birds to kill and like to go out there and they are just skittish right when they jump off the roost because they know they're just going to get beat up on these days. And like, it's just a whole nother level out there. And for Trevor and Austin to go out there and like grind like they do and get the shoots that they do. It's like, you got to really put in some work. Oh yeah. It's a ton of work. It's a ton of work. I got a ton of respect for them. Yeah. And they just love it. I mean, Austin is sending me some videos of snow geese out there right now. Um, he's just loving it up. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I'm really grateful to, to, to know those guys and have them let me into their worlds and, uh, and film their stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to be with those kind of guys. Yeah. And the go hunt, um, some of your films with them, how did you get connected with them? Yeah. So a funny thing is go hunt and Laid kind of started from like the same seed. Okay. Not 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 Gohan as a whole company. Yeah. <laughs> My involvement involvement with them. Um Lorenzo, who uh is the guy who started Gohan, um, was really good friends with Alex Bujalak, and he's in a handful of our slave videos. Okay. And that's how I got to know him, and I became their film guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I got base, you know, film some elk, deer, mountain goat, bears. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the video you sent through the burn to me, that's a sweet video. I watched that. Up, that, was, that was super cool for uh, New Mexico elk hunt. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was, that, that was a wild trip, man. It was over so fast. But it felt like an eternity yeah. while you were there. <laughs> um, it was one of those things where we kind of just, you know, we hiked way deep into this burn, you know, eleven miles from the truck, and you know, you're you're in there and not seeing a lot, not hearing a lot, and then at one point it just like switched on, and, and there was elk everywhere, and from that point on, it was just like we never left the elk side. And every night we can't, we, we bivy sacked and like slept, uh, where we, you know, left off with the herd the day before, Yeah, you know, woke up and then we located them, which was never really too far. And before we know it, knew it, I think it was like three days and we had two bulls down. Oh, wow. And then we, uh, called our horse buddy in to, uh, <laughs> get us out. <laughs> um, that was just one of those, those hunts where it's like, you know, you don't really need a, 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 a big like underlying story or something to carry it. It was like, this is just so good as it is that, you know, let it speak for itself. Yeah. In a video. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And then you were talking about some other hunts you've done with them. Uh, what has been your favorite species to go taste 
while you're filming. Dude, honestly, I do really like elk. They're, they're, you know, they make, they make noise. They're, they're big. They do, you know, crazy stuff and they're all beautiful animals. Mm -hmm. Um, but dude, I love filming birds Yeah. (laughs) and in the bird category, I mean, it's like ducks. And then I'd say like widgeon, like my favorite bird film. Um, and it's because it's such a quick technical challenge, I think. Uh, you know, where birds come out of nowhere, they're moving fast <laughs> and you have to hide, you know, there's just a lot more to it that I think just makes it a little bit more exhilarating to be behind the camera. Yeah. Um, it's also, you know, usually, oh, at the end of the day, you're going home or going to a nice bed <laughs> as opposed to sleeping in a tent. <laughs> Not that I don't have anything, like have anything wrong with that, but yeah. you know, I do like a good meal from time to time and, uh, in a in a warm bed so yeah i love i love filming birds man i i don't know what it is it's like you know i get a, i get to go out there with my buds which is awesome and then uh you know just when they you know when when they're decoying and everything i just like i don't even really know what happens like i just I completely black out and i'm like i hope i got the shot <laughs> you know and it's just such an exhilarating moment uh, yeah but like hunting birds by far my favorite um waterfowl hunting just how they work into the decoys and when you can get them to finish like they do just nothing cooler in my opinion like oh it's the coolest it's the coolest just for sure tricking a bird in tricking a group of birds in that are you know looking out for decoys looking out for calls trying to stay safe survive the next day like be able to trick them in and see that and have it all work out is just so cool oh man it's the, it's the best and it's just it looks so cool on camera yeah i just love the way they look on camera they're all awesome. yeah. yeah and for like filming like and hide and all that kind of stuff um are you like in the blind with them most of the time or are you kind of out separated and like kind of in your own area film it's all super dependent to be honest with you sometimes i hate it and i'm just like this is the worst setup ever and i can't and not not that's not a bad hunting setup but it's like a terrible filming setup yeah and i'm like i can't i can't do anything creative here or like i have to be so far away from the blind that like i'm not getting any dialogue with my subjects or or anything but i i gotta post up out here like way hiding these bushes that are like you know six yards away and i'm just chilling over there sitting on my pelican case yeah (laughs) so so there it it just varies and sometimes i'm stuck in a layout blind and and uh that can be okay with like a smaller camera but you know when you have like a bigger camera you can't really like go in and and you know then you just feel so much pressure like are you ruining it for everybody out here that's trying to have a good time Mm -hmm. by popping your head out because there's whether you like it or not there's no way for you to film (laughs) from a layout blind without (laughs) something sticking out yeah i mean it it just doesn't it doesn't work yeah (laughs) so um personally for me like the you know the most glorious setup you can have is like 30 yards behind them, just kind of like in a little bit of brush, taking a knee. And then I can just get up and get right in there and get some dialogue in between goes like, that's kind of, that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. 
if that can happen. Yeah. If that can happen. Yeah. Because I was going to say, yeah. I mean, filming out of a layout blind, like I've done it a few times and it's just like your head's sticking out. And it's just like, there's no way that you can like do anything <laughs> about it. You're just like, that's just how it has to be. Yeah. And you know, you never know like how the birds are going to feel that day. Yeah. Sometimes they're totally cool. With it. <laughs> and, um, sometimes you don't really know what the problem is but you also know that you're sticking out of that layout blind and there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) so uh so then you get out of the layout blind and you march your ass like (laughs) a mile away and see if this will work and then that doesn't work and you go obviously it wasn't me in the layout blind yeah you know there's something else and then you've just kind of had a rough day (laughs) oh absolutely and like a frames and Stuff like that is that easy to film out of you know i just like to film out of something where i don't have to like pop up and down mm. where it's somewhere where i can kind of just like keep the camera at a, the same level yeah you know but a frames are they're they're it's a decent compromise yeah it's it's a decent compromise for sure yeah yeah cause i've always i mean with taking photos I found it easier to take them in an A-frame instead of a layout because you can kind of just peek up a little bit and not be as out there. But at the same time, like with your jumping, if you're actually filming, like jumping up and down in A-frame, I feel like that'd be a lot of, a lot of motion, a lot of chaos. Totally, totally, yeah. So yeah, usually with like an A-frame or something, I'll maybe I'll like you know kind of like lay on my belly, like just like up against the side of it. Mm something like that yeah um but yeah hip blinds are a no-go yeah i'm not showing up <laughs> i'm not showing up if we're filming out of a pit blind everyone have a good hunt i'm not gonna be there and why is that <laughs> unless because i'm in, like... unless i'm hunting unless i'm hunting yeah <laughs> and why is it like so hard to film out of a pit blind just because you're like you can't see anything yeah <laughs> um if there was like, you know, one of those setups where it was along like an edge brush or something like that, where I could get in there, then I guess I could have a cool view from behind it. But most of the time, pit blinds are way out in the middle of a field. Yeah. So there is no edge close to it. And that's kind of the point of pit blind. So it kind of just like, I don't know, I find it to be almost an impossibility unless you start doing it with like GoPros and remote cameras. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't really dig that. Yeah. So um, next option for that. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> well if you're hunting you'll go on one but other than that oh we've got that sounds time. awesome it sounds awesome for hunting you got nothing to worry about yeah it's great god yeah yeah i mean pit blinds are superior if you're hunting that's no doubt about that you're hidden no you doubt. don't have to worry about blinds like you're just good to go yeah for sure but totally yeah no that's awesome and then uh yeah like with with blade how long have you been working with those guys out there? So, yeah, I guess, I guess an even better question is what is Slade? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And to me, Slade, I mean, Slade is essentially just a web series, right? It's, it's our web series that uh, when, when Alex and Riley said, Hey dude, you want to film our hunts? Uh, You know, that's kind of what, when Slade became what it is. Yeah. Uh, before that, Slade was just uh, Riley, Alex, and Lorenzo shooting ducks and just putting it up on an Instagram. Yeah. You know, kind of like how people kind of have like, you know, 
hunting crews or hunting groups, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, it, it was just kind of like, it was just kind of like that at first. And then it, it really just kind of became a web series as we added character, you know, subjects. And, and that's kind of what I, when people ask me what it is, I said, Blade Northwest simply just, it's a web series. It's the name of the web series. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what was the question you were asking right before that? Cause I had to, I had to establish that. Yeah. I was just going to say how, uh, how long have you been with Slade and how long have you been, uh, knowing those guys out there? So, um, I went to high school with, with Alex, okay. um, and Riley, I went to preschool with Riley. So it is, um, I've known those guys, I mean, forever. Yeah. Um, and they came to me, I want to say in like 2012 and I graduated from college in 2011. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, dude, I mean, that's like coming around like 10 years, like nine, eight years. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) I, my favorite, probably my favorite video that, um, Slade's done is the Northern hospitality. I, oh yeah. I love that video. Like, awesome. That's... I'm curious what you like so much about that one because I, to me, it doesn't. It, it's not my favorite at all. But <laughs> I'm curious why you like it. I don't know. It's like I just love goose hunting so much, and then being out in Montana. Montana's probably easily my favorite place ever, and so kind of have those two mixed in together, and watch totally how you guys watch. do all that. I mean. I just love it so much. And I haven't. Well, Montana is my favorite place too. Yeah. I love yeah. I've never hunted yeah. geese in Montana. So kind of just be able to watch you guys. That's, that's really sweet. Sweet. Yeah. And I, I, that's awesome. Yeah. I just love that video so much. I mean, you guys did a hell of a job on uh, just everything about it. And why don't, why don't you hey. like Northern hospitality as much as some of the other films? Here's, uh, dude. Well, I like I like ducks the most, man. I really like filming ducks. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, I'm a bunch of the dudes that I'm I'm filming with. Uh, they love geese, <laughs> <laughs> and I really like filming geese. No doubt about it. Like they're bigger, they're slower, they're they're awesome. Um, to me, it's just like I, I don't know what it is. It's like the flight pattern of them doesn't excite me as much. Mm. I guess. You know, it's, it's not as like a, it's not as spontaneous or it's not as fast. Yeah. I mean, that's simple. Yeah. You like the adrenaline rush of ducks. Yeah. I don't know what it is, man. I like the, I love filming geese, but like, yeah, the the ducks are, they speak to me. Yeah. You're just, uh, you're the duck whisperer. <laughs> just the duck filmer. <laughs> That's Trevor. Yeah. Oh, Trevor's the goose whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. He can he can whisper ducks too though. Every once in a while. He'll dabble in it. Yeah. Every every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And then like with Ben Porter, uh Potter, how did you meet him and get connected with all that when he came up? Totally. So so if you think of like back on like when we started late, I mean we're talking like like 2013, 2012, um, there wasn't really like a as much uh, media that was kind of like of that, you know, I don't like this word, like cinematic caliber yeah. sort of 
looking stuff, but um, it kind of felt like Ben and I were kind of like the only guys like really dabbling in it at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was a handful more, but um, it was just kind of like those things were one of those things where you're like on the internet and he's like, man, I like what you do. And I was like, yeah, I like what you do. Yeah. And, we, <laughs> and then he came up and, and then he came up and, and we, we collaborated and then I've collaborated with Ben on a bunch of his pro- projects like um, 25 horse and mm. the linguists and um, you know, a handful of things he's done. Yeah. So it's a great, it's, it's been an awesome, awesome friendship. He came to my wedding. Like we're, we're super close. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he makes them yeah. unbelievable. I love watching his hunt 41 films and everything else that he's done. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can imagine being able to collab, like bouncing ideas off of each other. That's made both of you like such a better filmer. I can imagine. Oh yeah, totally. I, you know, and especially with Hunt Forty One, I feel like, like Ben, that's like some kind of like his opus. Like it's it's his like. I feel like that's like where Ben is like really defining himself. Like this is like such an admirable project that he's doing really kind of making it about the people, the characters of this world. And um, I think he's doing an awesome, awesome job of it. And we're getting in, you know, the waterfowl community community is getting an awesome perspective of, you know, all these different people. And it's always so different, you know, uh, some of those places he's gone. I'm like, man, that's just like the coolest. And that guy was just so different than anybody else I've filmed with. I, I just love it. I love the this kind of portrait of American fowl, or American waterfowl that he's going after. Love it. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, all the different stories that, I mean, he's able to tell with going to all these different places and doing all these different films. It's really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But is there a spot you haven't gone yet that you'd like to go film? Dude, we we went to a bunch of places this year, um, and uh, we went. We went to Texas this year and did the crane hunting thing. Yeah. And we have that, that film is ready to go. Ooh. Um, we haven't launched it yet. We're kind of just waiting for an opportune time to do it, but it's killer. Yeah. It is awesome. It, it, and that was kind of like one of those things that was really on my, on my, uh, bucket list in terms of filming and it, it just went so well. I had that ideal filming setup that I was talking about. There was an A-frame and then there was like a little tree that was like 15 <laughs> yards behind it. It was money. And uh that was awesome. That was kind of on my bucket list before the season. Uh but you know, other than that, there's a bunch around Washington that I want to experience. I want to do like a little bit more of the deck stuff. Okay. I wanna, you know, like that's kind of I mean, I feel like other than like kind of like the sea deck stuff and maybe even the the Great Salt Lake, you know, those settings are are unique and different than anything else that I've I've filmed for sure. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, Washington's, yeah. it's so big and there's so many different hunting opportunities out there. It's very diverse. Yeah. Like, totally. I mean, you could go out and like you're saying, chase sea ducks or you go hunt big geese or you can hunt lessers or snows or ducks, whatever it is. Yeah. And you could choose to do it in the sunshine, the snow, the pouring down rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, it's, or, in, you know, it's just, it's one of those places, like you could do it in front of a mountain. You could do it with the city in the background. It's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's a very cool place. I love it here. It's, 
It, it rains a lot, no doubt about it. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, but um, it's it's always it's always green, uh, and um, lots of water, lots of mountains. It's there's always something to look at. Yeah, you were talking about rain too. How does that affect your camera work and like filming in the rain? <laughs> Oh man. Um I hate it. <laughs> uh it's so stressful. Um so what I usually do is I have like a rain cover for my camera. Yeah. Which is great for your average rain. We don't have average rain here. It rains so hard. It like to the point where like my hand I'll be out there and my hands are like, you know, look like I've been in a hot tub. And like I'm my hands are all wet, so I, I got to press the buttons on the thing. By the time I look underneath the cover, I'm like, this thing's soaking wet just from my hands. Um, funny thing is, is I lost camera this year. Oh wow! I I, I lost the C300. Oh my god! Uh, on its like fifth voyage ever. Jeez. Um, so I had just you know, it's a ten thousand dollar camera, <laughs> and. <laughs> and I took this thing and it, we were shooting uh, One Field Over, which is a movie, that we were, uh, yeah. you know, a Slade video that we released this year. Yeah. And if you can recall, there were some big old snowflakes in that. It was kind of like a big, wet, heavy, snowflakey sort of thing. And um, I had the thing bundled up real tight. I did. Yeah. And it didn't seem to get wet. But then I looked down when we were just about done. I looked down at my screen on my camera and it was just displaying psychedelic colors <laughs> and i was like are oh. you kidding me and i turned it off turned it on i was like this thing's toast it's fried i don't know what happened and i sent it in and they never gave me an explanation but they fixed it and then i got had to rent a camera which was expensive yeah and i, I had to rent it for three weeks and um yeah, that was the only time I've ever lost a camera, though, in the eight years I've done it. And it wasn't even like the typical downpour, you know, it was just kind of like a weird thing. Yeah. And I don't even know if it was if it was rain. <laughs> For the most part, I've gotten away with putting in cameras in pretty terrible spots. Yeah. But that time I didn't it didn't seem like a bad thing. And it and it just something backfired. Yeah. Might have been rain. I don't know. It might have been water. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot. But, you know, it, it, it does compromise the shoots in a way, you know, because you're constantly, like, wiping your lens off or, like, trying to find a place to, like, hide where it's not as <laughs> rainy. Yeah. Or, you know, in, in just operating a camera with, like, a big thing over the top of it, it just makes it harder. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hate the rain, man. Oh, I, I love the rain because it does good things for this area, but it is, it, it, I don't like filming in it. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, I've I've talked to some guys. And they're like, yeah, you can push your cameras a little more than you think in the rain and the snow. And how how much truth is there to that? I mean, I feel like a lot of guys sometimes won't even bring them out in the rain, won't bring them out in the snow because they're afraid their cameras can get fried. Oh, people are more worried about the snow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> Although. Although my test case scenario doesn't prove that <laughs> that point at all, um, yeah, I, I've I've been in a lot of snow, uh, especially on like my big game hunts, and honestly, haven't even put a rain cover over things, and they've been fine. Yeah, I think it's like 
you know, when it's in that like 32 degrees, you know, kind of freezing, but kind of not yeah. where the snow can kind of accumulate and melt. I think that's maybe when you run into troubles, but when it's like, you know, twenties, you're good. You're golden. Like that snow's just going to blow right off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I was coming from too. Like in Minnesota a lot, it'll sometimes like it'll snow, but then it'll melt right away. Like anytime it hits yeah. anything and it can be kind of, that's it. I think that's the danger zone. Yeah. I think so. That's what you got to watch out for is the key. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that's something, something you learn every day, something new you learn every day. <laughs> <laughs> and like with your camera work, um, we were talking about, uh, just like certain scenarios that you hunt. Um, there like ever a time where like I don't know your camera will malfunction because it's too cold outside or anything like that? I honestly haven't run into that. Okay. I people ask me that's like one of my most common questions I get online is like how do you protect your gear and I literally just go I don't yeah I I I, I, <laughs> I don't I abuse it and I disrespect it pretty hard and. Like I said, that I retired that FS 700 a year ago, and that thing lasted me like six years of just constant abuse. Uh-huh. And I mean, it even fell off tripods onto like the concrete. Yeah. A times, and it was fine. I think people got to have a little bit more faith in their gear. It's, you know, it's good to take good care of it yeah. for sure. Like, like I clean it usually when it's done, when I'm done using it and maintaining it. But like, I don't know. I don't, I think they're, I think they're a lot sturdier than, than most people give them credit for. Yeah. And like, what was I going to say? Um, I just ran out of my head. Um, why can't I think? Okay. Well, something about the camera. Um, I was like, do you know what is an issue? It's fog. <laughs> Like fogging. Yeah. Like um that can be terrible. Um I I remember I was on an elk hunt last year and I and I, you know, climbed it was cold up at the top of this mountain and then we dove down into this like deep canyon and when we were down there everything was kind of like evaporating. It was really like moist and everything. Mm. And there was elk walking by and I put that camera up to my face and it was fogged like the viewfinder was fogged the lens was fogged on like every part of the glass and i was like oh no i'm like gonna miss this moment here <laughs> luckily it didn't turn out to be that important but it was stressful yeah and you were talking about did you do a sheep hunt with go hunt i've never done a sheep hunt no or, uh, no just have you just done elk for them then Elk deer and I did a goat. Okay. Hunt. Okay, that's best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that goat hunt and filming all that? You know, it was quick. It was a quick hunt with a lot of walking and a lot of climbing. Yeah. And the uh climbing, I'm like I'm not good with heights, man. <laughs> um I'll suck it up and like, you know, but they're those goats, they live in some pretty sketchy areas. Mm-hmm. And um I remember just kind of climbing on all fours for like maybe an hour and a half <laughs> oh, to geez. get to where they were. And 
my heart was just pumping the whole time. It was too much. Yeah. I, and when we, when the whole thing was over, all three of us were kind of like, yeah, never again. We're not <laughs> doing that. Yeah. Uh, but filming that was cool. It was, I mean, it was an awesome setting. You know, you're way up in the mountains. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was like, I was going to say, yeah. Is there anything that you filmed that you would never go do again? Like, is- I'm never climbing that mountain again. Yeah. For sure not. No, no loose rock piles. Like, yeah. that's, that's a no go for me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, with your film work and coming up in the years, what are kind of some of the things that you'd like to see happen? Is there like more documentaries you'd like to start filming, or is there something in the hunting industry that you could do? Or like, what's kind of your goals coming up in your life your next chapter oh totally like i mentioned uh earlier like you know i would like to start doing um i would like to see if i can come up with and i've got a few ideas for it uh for like a longer form like an hour and a half you know like a full length uh hunting move that movie that tackles some sort of theme yeah um whether it's you know maybe following a handful of guides as they are, you know, kind of live a nomadic guide lifestyle. I think that would be really interesting. Um, There's also uh, a Slade film that I would love to make um, about Alex, who's one, who's kind of started this whole thing. Yeah. Um, If you have watched some of the older episodes, you know, his dad's in a few of them and he is like a full blooded Italian guy. And he's, uh, um, he duck hunted a lot in Italy and his family still all lives over there. And I think it would be so cool for us to like, you know, make a movie where we go and like follow his footsteps over in Italy and, and, uh, hunt the places he did when he, when he lived over there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be something really sweet. Some bigger, some, some larger idea stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then I had this idea too for a movie called opener where it's it's not just it's it's just a documentary that's about opening day for everything that has an opening day yeah and whether it's elk hunting duck hunting some sort of fishing even just like boating like all these things it's just like you know what are people doing on opening day what did they do on their opening day? And was it a successful opening day? Yeah. And kind of just follow, make parallel stories between these different people that have an opening day. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really sweet. I mean, if you followed somebody like, I don't know, a week before and kind of like for goose hunting example, like our first two weeks before early goose opener, I got turned down like 52 times uh, by different farmers. Like everybody was hunting. And then finally, like last day, we figured out like a spot that we could hunt. And there's a bunch of geese on this low pond. And like we were up there all night setting spreads, brushing A frames, and then shot them up, just feed them up on opening morning. I feel like that'd be really cool to see like what other people do to go in on opening day because I mean, it's such a hype. Like everybody, you can't sleep opening day. Oh yeah, there's so much hype around it, you know. And I, I went to the uh, to Arkansas with Ben for uh, opening day when he shot uh, 25 horse. This is a this is one of my favorite stories ever. Um, 
and I remember I got off a plane and um, Billy, who's in that movie, picked me up. I never met him before. We drove to the hotel. I think I slept for like one hour and then we drove to the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the put in. And um, then he put me on a boat with Dennis and I'd never met Dennis before. And he was just like, you're going to want to hold on tight. And I was like, <laughs> where am I? This is, and you know, there's just all these boats around all these like led lights and everybody's just kind of getting, you know, down each other's throats about who, their position and everything. I was like, yeah. this is so wild. I was like, yesterday I was literally in Washington and now I'm like half awake. Yeah on a boat with a stranger and everybody's yelling at each other. <laughs> uh, uh, so that, it was so cool. Such yeah. a cool experience. Yeah. I think that'd be a killer film. I mean, even like fishing wise, like our opening day for walleye uh, is just a huge thing, especially up on Malak. Like everybody's out there. There's boats everywhere. People are catching fish left and right. Um, people are sleeping at the boat launches and whatnot. I think that'd just be a really cool film series if you could do something like that and show what goes on in prepping for opening day. Yeah, and and then the opening day itself. Yeah, you know, you latch on to like a handful of characters and you follow them through their opening day. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those movies where it like maybe jumps in between everybody. You introduce your five opening day or characters and then you kind of just follow them and they you know one of them has a great one one of them has a terrible one his boat breaks or something <laughs> you know and you just kind of bounce around these people for opening day i feel like it would be a very interesting approach to like um, a larger hunting uh film yeah oh absolutely and yeah i mean that'd be sweet like like you're saying down in arkansas the amount of boats and then like the different people you met right away like not knowing them and just hopping around like Maybe you hunted with like a certain group in one area and then hopped with another one and like see how they do opening day or whatnot. But I think that'd be, it'd be something else. Oh yeah. Yeah. That in that trip, I went on to into Arkansas. That was such a blast. Oh, have you done that before? Gone done like the timber hunting thing I have, down there? I have not. No, it's on my bucket list. I've uh, got a couple guys that do it down there and hoping to get down there soon enough. Just got to, figure out when school is intact and all that kind of fun stuff it's the it's the coolest setting it's super cool yeah oh i it looks unbelievable and like stories i've heard shooting ducks and flooded timber like that'd be mm -hmm. that'd be something else watching them down because i mean they come down and then they get in this hole and then you shoot them up and they can't go anywhere else really and they got to figure out how to get back out of the timber hole oh yeah it's wild and i just and i love i love southern Southern people, they their their senses of humor and they are they they and they're they're so kind. They're just so fun to be around. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like for the younger guys that are getting into film work and stuff, what is some advice that you would give them? Um, the biggest thing I would say is um love films. Like don't don't just love like hunting movies. You gotta love like all all films and all movies and all videos, right? You gotta yeah. like because I would say that you know even the stuff that I put out, you know, it's 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 good in the scheme of the 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 waterfowl world. But when we're talking about like 
big idea films and things that we can really, really learn from. They're just, they're not even that great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I try to take things from, from all movies, you know, yeah. and put them in, in Slade videos, I, you know, and, and that's, and that's like the, the coolest thing about it is, you know, everything kind of transcends in this world and you should learn from like professionals. Yeah. Um, and there's so much, so many great documentaries out there, you know, the old one, like the oldest ones are awesome. And then so many awesome new ones and, you know, watching those and like really kind of just like learning what the techniques are Yeah. in there. That's, that's really where it's at is, um, really studying and kind of just watching the masters and paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. That's the biggest thing to me. Yeah. And like, there's guys that go out and watch film and whatnot, um, and try to take like a same scenario and reset it up. But that's like, not how, in my opinion, not how like you should do it. Not just try to copy someone else else's film in a set because it might, it's probably not going to be the same way and same success as they have. So you have to kind of figure it out in your own head on, okay, this is a cool scenario, but I also have to kind of figure out how I film and how that kind of stuff goes down. Totally. I feel like your own personality will always shine through, even if you are copying the, the way somebody else did something, right? It's never going to be the exact same thing. And the, you know, the world is completely built off of people copying each other. Yeah. There's no, there's no crime. I mean, it, you know, it's not, it's not copying. It's being inspired by, right? Yeah. Like That's you don't want to, you don't want to re, you don't, you don't want to like repaint the Mona Lisa and say, look at this thing I did. Everyone would be like, yeah, that's just a bad version of the Mona, Mona Lisa. Yeah. Like what you want to do is, is, you know, see what somebody did and say, I could, I could take that technique and apply it to my world. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's really what inspiration is all about. I mean, gosh, like, you know, half the music you listen to on the radio, you know, has already been written, yeah. you know, over and over again there's a, there's an 80s version of it there's a 70s version of it it's just it's all been done a million times mm -hmm. yeah so yeah take it and borrow it and put your you know no matter what your own flavor will come through yeah if you're the one taking part in it oh absolutely yeah and i mean like the great thing about social media is you have all this film and photography work that you can look at and there's so many people that are willing to help too. Like with my podcast, I've noticed how many people are willing to just join on from a kid that, I mean, I'm a 20 year old kid who likes a waterfall hunt, I guess. And uh, now I'm, you know, recording with some really great dudes. And I mean, willing to help out and do anything for anyone in the youth industry and anything like that. Absolutely. And if anybody wants to reach out to me with questions, I'm more than happy to, to answer them. Um, I love, getting into conversations with people that want to learn things. Yeah. I, I love teaching people. Um, and you know, you were talking about like long-term plan for me. If one day I ended up like teaching film, I would be so happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about yeah. making like, uh, I don't know, like your own platform where people can come learn from you and you do like videos um, on certain aspects or like a teaching school online. Have you ever thought yeah, about something like that? Yeah, you know, before um, the pandemic, Ben had planned on doing like a whole uh, Kana like school. Oh, wow. And we were like, I think he was actually like enrolling for a class that was supposed to start in May. Yeah. 
And uh, he invited me to be one of the teachers on that. And I was just, I was so excited about that. Yeah. But, you know, maybe next year, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, and I've done like a few things, like some after school program things with, with kids and, and, and it's, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, yeah, I love teaching. That's a great thing about guys like you. And I mean, there's just, there's so many people willing to help nowadays on people that are, I mean, if you're really willing to learn and listen, I mean, you can really do a bunch of great things with a bunch of great people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I get a lot of questions about gear. <clears throat> yeah. And, to me, like that, that, those kind of questions are, are like, they kind of annoy me a little bit, yeah. you know, because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a professional. I do this all the time. And if you're just trying to get into this, don't think about what I have yeah. at all. You should just think about what you got and think about how you can make the most of it. Yeah. Um, because we literally all have in our hands and they make awesome videos mm-hmm. um the thing that everybody should really really learn to do is edit yeah um, like studying editing and the techniques of editing that's where it all like really happened i mean if you guys saw some of my raw footage you guys would be like what the hell is wrong with this guy why is he filming the ground all the time and all that stuff it's more about just like knowing how to put it together yeah I feel like I feel like if pe- people really took the time to study editing, they would there would be a lot um, more better filmmakers out there. And I know that like editing and computer stuff, like when you're like not totally immersed in it, it can get like really frustrating, yeah, <laughs> and uh, annoying. But if you stick with it for a little bit, it starts to become like a complete like. It's an, it's like, you know, using a hammer and a nail. Like for me, like I know how I, I don't even think when I edit anymore, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just clicking away and I'm just like, oh, this clip goes here. No problem. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, the more you practice it, the more it just becomes an extension of your, of yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's not something you have to like think about, but you got to go through that stage where you're clunking around and taking forever yeah. <laughs> to do things. Oh. Every time you do that, you go, how can I do this faster? Or how can I do this differently? Yeah. Or you learn a new trick on whatever you're editing on that you didn't know about before. Exactly. And, you know, every time you do something while you're editing, once you get to that next level, you're like, gosh, you know, there's always, if somebody has thought about that struggle, oftentimes there is a way easier way to do it. Yeah. Um, I remember <laughs> last year I had to vacuum all the insulation out of my, my attic. (laughs) And I didn't know that they made insulation vacuums. (laughs) And I was up there with a snow shovel and garbage bags. And I was just bagging this thing up and I was doing it for like two hours. And I looked around and I was like, I'm getting nowhere on this. (laughs) And uh, then I was like, you know what? Somebody made a tool for this. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I opened up my phone. I just it searched insulation vacuum. Sure enough, there it is. I can rent one, you know. So, it, you know, no matter what the struggle is, somebody has really, there's a technique for it. Yeah. Somebody's thought that, about the tool to make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with editing, like the editing I do on my podcast, I mean, 
I always learn something different when I edit each time. Like there's always something new that kind of pops up that makes it easier. And like the past episodes I've kind of been editing, I've just learned it more just by different tricks making everything so much easier than i thought i had to be and then and then you you go god damn it i, <laughs> I could have done that the whole time <laughs> oh exactly and i want to kind of go back to what you're saying on everyone asks you about gear and i've noticed that with like a lot of the waterfall photographers that i've talked to um and everyone's like, the same question is, what kind of camera do you run? What kind of lens? And they all kind of like what you said was, it's not about what gear that you're using because everyone starts off with a certain camera or whatnot. And you have to like really learn that camera. And once you're good with that camera, then you can move on. But like just really dial in the camera because it can do some of the same work that uh, like you guys do or whatnot, or like not necessarily the same aspect, but if you know what I'm saying. Oh, to it, it totally can. It absolutely can. Yeah. Um, I think, I think in the waterfowl world, and when you talk about gear questions, I think, uh, I think lenses are an interesting thing to talk about actually. Okay. But it's a pretty quick, you know, it's a yeah. quick response. It's like, are you trying to, you know, film birds or are you trying to film people? Yeah. You know, because, you know, birds are small. <laughs> They're far away. <laughs> So you need a long lens yeah. and that's kind of it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter which one you got, you know, you need that tool for that job. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's um, like any but other than that, like I, when somebody asks me about gear, it's, it's kind of like get something that can record decent audio. That's super important. And then, um, and honestly, and then after that, it's like, then have a camera that records video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, the difference is there like i don't know how to say that. like for like the dslr and mirrorless i've noticed that the mirrorless usually take better video quality is that true in a sense i think well they they're definitely better low light cameras like they perform better in the dark um i think that's also probably just a tendency because uh mirrorless is a newer sort of development yeah um uh, and so those cameras simply just have newer technology in them. Okay. Um, but I have I have an uh, Sony A7S three. I think is the new one that just came out. Yeah. And it is a it is amazing. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a really good camera. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, most DSLRs record great video. Yeah. Yeah, I've I have noticed that with the one that I mean, I have a seven D Mark II Canon. And uh yeah, I really like it. I mean, I've take, taken some good videos with it and whatnot, and it works out great. And it's just kind of like the audio, like you were saying, on getting a good microphone and like that can record good audio is the biggest. Yeah, thing. and you know, it's not the sexiest thing to spend your money on, but I, it makes a world of a difference. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to do uh, dig back a little bit into the audio and editing sense. Um, what are kind of some of the things that you look for when you're editing well um gosh that's a good question i honestly feel like by the time i've left the field that day or you know after a series of hunts or after a trip i've thought about the video enough to where i kind of know almost exactly what i'm going to do on a larger scale 
Um, but in terms of like the technique, what I'm looking for, you know, a good cut is usually <clears throat> a movement to a movement, yeah. you know, um, somebody blinks and then, then, you know, you cut on the blink and then the next shot is somebody moving their hand. Mm. Right. Yeah. So like, um, that from, you know, from just a, a shot to shot standpoint, that's a really good thing to think about is what is the movement? And I'm not talking about camera movement. I'm talking about movement of people and objects that are in the frame. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of like the classic good cut. Okay. The cut that, that, that makes you, you know, I mentioned a blink because, you know, when we watch movies, we blink. Um, when we live, we blink. And so, um, a movement to a movement seems like just the simple blink of an eye. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I one thing I definitely try to stay away from are like things like frost dissolves and fades. Um, no real like effects or anything. Just kind of like just straight up. <laughs> okay. Um, not a lot of like filters or anything like that in terms of the color and then you know for transitions you know a fade to black you know means we're we're ending the day or yeah. we're 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 changing scenes or time is going to pass um and then you know m music can be used to accelerate time as well yeah you know like you know I, and and that's another thing too is you know deciding when to use music and when not to um that's a that's a big thing. I see a lot of videos where it's just you know it's a music video, yeah. With uh, and I think um, you know if you're if you're trying to make like a short little hype video, that's that's great. That's an awesome formula. But if you're trying to like you know navigate a story, you know you don't need to have music in there all the time. Mm. Yeah. In I've... fact, just listening, li you know, listening to just like the sounds of just the setting that you're in are. A lot more interesting than I think people give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah, because I've always thought about that on when's a good time to use music in a video or when's a good time to maybe run it in slow-mo. And there's so many different aspects on that. Yeah, so slow-mo is a big thing. Um, you know, slow-mo is one of those things where like when it came out and became accessible, it was so exciting and I'm guilty of it as just as much as anybody of using it on much stuff um you know mm -hmm. and sometimes you get a good shot you know and you're stuck in slow motion mode and that's what you got yeah the guy smiling in slow motion and you're like ah, well i'll just use it in slow motion but um the rule for slow motion in my opinion is do not use it i use it in cases where i want to stabilize the camera for b-roll mm. so um something that doesn't look as shaky or if i'm shooting out the window of a car um, and I don't want it to look all jumpy and jittery. Yeah. Um, I use it there, but for the most part, I think you use slow motion to show things in slow motion that can't be shown in fast motion or understood in fast mo fast motion. Right. Mm. And I think like, you know, like I think that the, uh, a shotgun, you know, the trigger being pulled and the shell being ejected, that's that's like a perfect instance of where I think slow motion is okay at times. Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen it a lot, no doubt about it, but it, it shows the, an aspect of something that happens so fast and it lets you like kind of witness the intricacies of it 
uh, at, at a speed that you, your eyes don't see. And even like, you know, with decoying birds, it happens so fast in real time. And sometimes it looks badass in real time, but yeah. sometimes it just looks awesome. Yeah. Momo, you know, yeah. You're, it's, it's allowing you when, when it allows you to see something different. Yeah. I think is, is the, the right way to put it. Yeah. I love like when people put it in slow-mo, if like ducks or geese are backpedaling into the decoys, I think that's like pretty oh, neat. I think that's like a really cool time to put in slow-mo. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, I, I would 100% agree, especially when you got like a bunch of them in there and you're like, wow, look at that. Yeah. And you really get to see like how the wings work and stuff. And that's, and that's a perfect instance where you're seeing something in some detail that you normally can't, you can't see with the human eye. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, detail is like the biggest thing on, I mean, if something's moving so fast, but like you really want to get a grasp of it and like slow it down. Um, like you're mm -hmm. saying, just detail is the biggest thing. And like with human eye, like you're not gonna, when the geese are backpedaling up, like that's cool. They're like flapping super fast when you can get them just slow rolling and like just everything about it and how they're acting is just really cool. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I think that that's the perfect scenario to use it. Yeah. And then like for music, I was kind of thinking like when it would be a good time and whatnot. And we kind of went on that a little bit. Um, but like, I feel like a lot more people use it sometimes more than they might need to because they don't think like oh duck calling's cool all the time that like kind of want to hear what's going on in the video i don't know what's your kind of opinion on when's a good time to use music yeah i would honestly say that i even use music to the point of a cliche yeah um and i make all my music so at some at, you know so when I'm, I'm also like really excited to put my music yeah. that I make <laughs> in a video. So I get kind of greedy there for sure. And, and I, and I think that there's, you know, people would be like, oh, less music sometimes. And I, and I actually agree with them. <laughs> it's a fair critique. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, uh, for, you know, like I said, I think, I think if you get like, um, you want to change the gear of a waterfowl video, right? Like, um, all of a sudden we have a bunch of groups coming in, you know, and you want to kind of just like work your way through that and make that part more exciting. Yeah. I think that's a cliche to way to do it, but I do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to me, like, you know, uh, a l the best way to use music is to like accentuate some sort of emo emotion, whether yeah. it's like disappointment or excitement. Yeah. Um, and one thing I learned in, in film school that I thought was such an awesome little fact is sometimes when you, when you're trying to convey or accentuate one of those emotions, it's it. You there? Yeah. Oh, um, when you want to accentuate one of those emotions, you actually go with the, the music that represents the opposite of that emotion. Huh. Like, you know, um, like for example, somebody's in a terrible storm or, or something outside, and then like the song Kokomo by the Beach Boys comes on. <laughs> um, and it's the complete, you know, it's something that's to singing and talking about a, a sunny place and everything, but nobody's, you know, we're, but we're living in the rain right yeah. now. It almost takes that emotion and like propels it into a, a world that's, it's, it's, a, it's ironic, right? Yeah. 
it it still means something there and but like you know while it's raining and sad yeah you know why play the play a violin over that when you could play the beach boys over it oh exactly it might you know it might make it uh it, it makes it kind of funny in a way but yeah. also sadder yeah it's it's, it's kind of like rubbing their nose in the dirt a little bit huh <laughs> yeah i've never thought of it um, like that yeah, somebody told me about that, or I learned that in film school, and I was like, that is so true. Yeah. And, I, and you see it in, like, Quentin Tarantino movies and stuff, and where he will use, like, a song that's completely opposite of what's going on. Yeah. You know, some old doo-wop song while somebody's rolling into an area mm-hmm. and shooting up a bunch of people, and, you know, there's, like, a happy doo-wop song playing. You're like, wow, that's kind of dark and disturbing, yeah. but, like, it's kind of, it's ironic. Yeah. And it, and it works somehow. Yeah. Yeah, so the opposite the opposite's a really cool way to do the music thing but in a lot of senses in waterfowl we really kind of just run into situations where um we're trying to like you know accelerate some time you know and music is good for that yeah it's it's good to you know it, it can help you cut music helps you edit differently right so you can make you shorter clips more montage style uh cutting and then um you're gonna get through things faster and more in a more stimulating way i guess you can say that yeah um but you know when people are just kind of like sitting around unless you're trying to convey boredom or something you know you could use music to accentuate that but maybe you don't even need to yeah um i feel like music is almost a last resort okay i land on too much Yeah, that'll happen. I mean, yeah, because yeah, I've always wondered on like what's a you know, what's a good time to put music in and when's a good scenario or like how if you're gonna try to be upbeat, you gotta really play the emotion piece of it. Yeah. You're always gonna make something maybe a little bit more accessible to the, the general viewer by putting music in yeah. there. Uh it's what they're used to seeing. It makes them comfortable and it's uh it's safe, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love music? No, but that's the other thing. Then you get the, you know, you pick some tune to put in there, or you make some tune and you put it in there, and nobody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I've gotten ridiculed for some some of the music I've made and, and put in the Slade videos, and and I'm just like, dang, that hurts. You know, yeah, I should have picked a different song, or or and then I'm just kind of like, screw it, you don't have good taste, you know. Yeah. But then it just becomes like you're at you're entering a different art form within your art form, and it just gives people one more part of judgment. And music is so subjective, you know. Yeah. So many people like certain kinds of music, hate other kinds of music, and so you know, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's your movie, so you just make it the way it sounds good to you. Oh, exactly. And like you kind of dug into it a little bit on, uh, like people will comment different things on, oh, I don't like your music or whatnot. Um, how has that has that affected your work at all in any way? Um, on like people saying, "Oh, maybe don't do this or don't do that," but at the same time, like they aren't there, they don't make like films like you do, and so does that affect you at all? You know, I feel like we've been fortunate enough not to get like in an, an obvious amount of uh, a feedback where it kind of like. Uh, it's like, dang, I really screwed that part up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I ha I remember I was reading a comment where like 
And we said, that was a great hunt until Kid Rock's producer ruined it. And I was like, dang, dude, you got me, man. And then I went and like looked at like the other thing. I, I, I was like, I'm going to deep dive on this guy right now. And I went and clicked on his, on his thing. I was like, what does your YouTube profile look like? And he liked a bunch of music that I wasn't into. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know what? We just, we just have different tastes, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, but then like, you know, I still think about that thought. So subconsciously, am I making music that sounds less like that? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're making, you said you make your own music. Um, how do yeah. you, how do you do all that? And how does that work? Um, so like even before, so before I started making, uh, films um i i always played guitar in high school and you know kind of messed around with recording stuff and then just kind of as you were able to get it like on your computer and stuff i you know got into piano and all that stuff so i record all that just just into my computer yeah well, that's awesome yeah making your own music and then adding in your own films i feel like that'd be a really cool deal Oh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I feel very fortunate that I, I started off in music because I mean, at this point in my life, it's like, oh man, if to, to, to just like learn something new, it's like, it's always so overwhelming. Um, and I'm glad that like in my early teens, I, you know, decided I wanted to learn how to play guitar and get a decent understanding of music. Yeah. And then, you know, in a way they work hand in hand. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you know, the way you're editing your audio stuff for this, it's very much just like a movie or like music, you know, it's, it's the same kind of like software and process. Um, you just gotta have a little bit of knowledge of music. Um, and you don't like, and the cool thing about music is too, is like, you don't have to use music music, like for something you could just like take a, you know, a bucket and put it, let's say some nails in it and like rattle it around and put some reverb on it. And then all of a sudden that sounds like a, like a cool transition sound. Like if you want to make like music, you don't have to know how to make music. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can just play around with some pots and pans and kind of figure it out. Yeah. It might sound like a <laughs> horror film or something, but like, you could you you might be able to find a way through it. Yeah, got to edit a few things and it'll be golden, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's sweet, and that adds to like a piece of your film as well. I mean, just separating yourself by making your own music. Yeah, you know, in well, you know, Ben Potter's uh, business partner, and he, I think he does all the music for, or a lot of the music for all his stuff too. So he's been fortunate in that realm where he's got a guy working for him named drew barefoot who i'm sure you guys have all heard his music and you know like dr duck and stuff and it yeah. is so good it's so good the guy his music sounds amazing every time i listen to him, i'm like i'm so jealous that this guy's like so much better than me this guy rushes it um he's like really good and i'm just like i feel like i just know a handful of tricks and get away with it that guy he sounds incredible yeah um oh yeah awesome yeah i mean i don't want to uh take up much more of your time but i was gonna oh you're good man yeah i'm good um but oh yeah yeah you're good all right yeah then uh i kind of wanted to go over a few more things um with like your film work and like 
did you grow up in a family of like people that used cameras at all or anything or did that kind of spark up when you're in high school or college no not 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 at all my dad works in logistics and my mom uh worked in finance okay and um i don't know we we always had a piano in the house it was my great aunt's and i loved just like tinkering with it yeah um and I guess I like always like building things, you know, I worked with a, like a lot of wood. I always wanted to build tree houses. So I got really into building things. But I don't know. It always just felt a lot better when I made something as opposed to like solving some sort of math equation. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of just how I landed where I landed. I think I took an editing course in college and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pursue my business degree. I'm switching it over to media arts. I'm going to study this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And like with you were saying you went to school for film and whatnot. Um, what are some of the classes that you took to kind of build off that you took that were like really beneficial to you? Dude, I it, honestly like when you're there and you think about being in school and you think about some of the things that you really, really dreaded. <laughs> it, and then you look, I feel like I look back on those moments when I was in college, like, like even my screenwriting classes or, um, you know, experimental film or like history of, you know, whatever. Like, I feel like I actually learned so much from those classes, oddly enough. <laughs> so my curriculum was like, it was a mix of like, you know, technical and then theoretical yeah. aspects of it. Um, and I honestly feel like I learned just as much from those theoretical things as I did from the technical stuff. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, you enter the program, you do like, you know, intro to editing and you edit like a montage with photos you find on like Google images Yeah, <laughs> and you try and tell a story about it and then you have to do, and then, you know, then you like the next semester you have advanced editing and you start putting together like scenes. Um, and then you take like a cinematography class and then eventually once you're in the program, I, I took like a documentary class, Yeah, which would, in that one, I was like, and they started showing us documentaries and I was like, these movies are great. <laughs> um, I was just like way more excited about them too. And it, it was such an awesome thing because with documentaries, you don't need actors or perfect lighting. Yeah. Or all these people, it's like you can like one man band this kind of thing. And we watched a lot of movies that were obviously made by like one or two people. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. This is this is totally the direction I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love documentaries. I mean, anything that people can make up about like the real world and what's going on, I just love watching them. Like, yeah. There's something about them. I mean, you're just, just a camera guy walking around filming like what's going on and it's just super cool to watch yeah i always find myself watching documentaries and just going you can't write this shit this is unbelievable <laughs> oh yeah that's why you need to make a like a documentary for the waterfall guy like we were talking about that'd be uh oh dude i i would love to i would absolutely love to just have a bunch of characters yeah, totally. I just got to get, I just got to find the right one, get the resources. That's always a tough thing yeah. too. Is like, you know, making like a, a, like a real movie, like a full movie is it's a, it's a serious commitment. Yeah. 
um, you know, I can go out. I feel like the most ambitious waterfowl video um, we did was this season when we went to uh, called Time and Place, where we went to the Midwest and we hunted for like four days and got skunked. And then I was like, I don't even know if I can make this into a movie. Like, this yeah. isn't very. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well, we got to start filming around Washington. And then we just got hit with like three average hunts. And then I combined all those things into a movie. And I was like, that is by far, you know, it was like a seven, it ended up being like a seven day shoot, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, that is by far the most ambitious blade film we've ever made. Yeah. Um, and was it worth it? I don't know. I think, it, <laughs> I think that movie turned out pretty good. I, I thought it turned out all right. Yeah. Um, but it was, um, Gosh, I was like, I can't believe we're putting this much effort into a waterfowl video. <laughs> but but it would be so much cooler to make it like do something where it's really deep dive, like on some characters that, you know, kind of fit some sort of umbrella or, or theme. Yeah. Or, you know, or go to Italy and and really dive it, dive in on Luciano and, and hunt with his some of his Italian buddies and all yeah. that stuff. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, because before you guys left for uh you guys went to Nebraska down with uh, Black Dog, right? Because that's right before I yes, talked to. Yes. Uh, yes. Because like before you guys left, that's when I had Trevor on for an episode, and yeah, yeah, and I mean it was warm out. It was just not a good time. Like that was a <laughs> tough time for everyone in the Midwest. Like yeah, it was tough, honey. Like that that you time. Do it. Dude, it was tough. <laughs> it was really, really <laughs> tough. I mean, we went to Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri in those four days. Yeah. And I mean, granted, you know, they're not that far from each other when you're hunting the corners of all the states, but um, it was wild. Like, just to like, we, I felt like I was grinding it out on like a Trevor Bennett level for, <laughs> for four days. And in four days, was just, it was enough. It was, yeah. I was like, that's, that's, it's enough. I can't do it. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was for sure a rough trip. I mean, we just got skunked and skunked and then it was just kind of like, man, everything feels like a hail Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're saying, like, how can I make a film off this? Um, like, what do you kind of think about? I mean, if you guys don't have that great of a hunt, what are you trying to portray after that in a like film? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, when I go out and and I film something and nothing good happens in it, I go, you know what? This is part one. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, and and um, and so I always feel like the films that start out with the bad that are bad on the front end end up being better because you get more of a payoff at the end yeah but for that one i felt like i was dragging it out yeah i mean i dragged it out <laughs> even through washington so i mean we're talking like seven hunts to make that thing and that was it was a lot <laughs> oh yeah it was a lot uh but so yeah i mean for me like making a hunting video i feel like it, there deserves to be why would why would a waterfowl wa hunter watch it if there was no payoff, right? Yeah. And the easy way for us to have a payoff is usually a good hunt. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, that's the obvious way. 
So, you know, that to me, that's the first place I go to unless there's something deeper there. And, uh, you know, that all depends on what that is. Mm. You know, there's always that message, you know, that we hear in a lot of hunting films. We're like, you know, we went out there today and we had a good time because we were with each other. Yeah. We all get that. Like, we've heard it enough and we get that. It's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to see that film every time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if the audience really feels like that's much of a payoff, you know, because there is an aspect of waterfowl hunting videos where you, where people showed up to see birds. Yeah. Like they want to see birds and they want to see people hunt birds. Like, so when that doesn't happen, are you even really watching a hunting video? I feel like you have to have hunting (laughs) in a hunting video, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I feel like there's got to be some sort of payoff and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be hunting uh, a successful hunt, but I feel like that's the obvious way out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an aspect of when people go, they want to see birds fall. Um, for like more people than not, I feel like. I mean, they just this is what they want to do. Um, but then if you can just make an interesting film on that, and like really separate yourself, I feel like telling that story of man, you got totally. you got shit on, man. Like that's <laughs> how it is. Everyone gets shit on. Like it's just the way a waterfall hunting. And I do love like when we put something together, when we do have something like that in there. Yeah. Cause I feel like hiding that or not showing that it's just totally dishonest to say that you don't have good hunts Yeah, or that you shoot perfect every time. Yeah. Like to me, like being totally transparent about the reality of it is it's awesome. And it's, and I think it's really healthy for the hunting community Yeah, to, to see that stuff. And I think people want to resonate with that stuff because it's true. It happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like you're connecting at the, the at the same, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, though, you know, even if we do experience that in one of our films, I feel like I feel like there's got to be another layer to it, a, a layer that is a, a bit more exciting. Yeah, you know. So I try I try to find a way to edit and almost everything on a on a decently positive note. Yeah. Um, that's what, I think that's one of the really cool things about what Ben Potter's doing with uh, Hunt 41 is it's really just like really, really people focused. Yeah. Um, so no matter what, he's walking away with introducing us to at least somebody who's very interesting and different. Yeah. Um, whereas I've got, I, I, you know, I go hunting with the same seven guys. We know them. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch our stuff, you know them. <laughs> Like, you know, so unless we like meet somebody that's new or interesting or we're going to do something that's like wildly different. Yeah. Then then that can sustain itself. But, you know, when we're hunting around Washington or, you know, hunting a field in the Midwest, it's not so much. wild. It's not like wildly different than what we're doing mm-hmm. that um, that it deserve. I feel like it deserves to kind of give the audience what they came for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in my aspect of watching hunting videos, you can watch videos anywhere of people just smashing the shit out of birds, but that's, like, all you're watching. And for me, like, I I don't know, that's maybe why I went to Slade Northwest and love your guys' films, because, like, I mean, you're showing everything that goes on, and, like, you're really connecting with the people that do this all the time and get their ass beat or whatnot. Um, and so that's just kind of, I like, watching those stories and like seeing the trips that happen and stuff 
Yeah, you know, when we left the Midwest, I was like, you know, really racking my brain. I was like, what do I have? You know, and well, we have a pretty, pretty great little scramble here for the four days. Yeah. Um, and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what we do have that's pretty interesting and kind of funny is when they introduced us to uh dipping your cinnamon rolls in chili, <laughs> which and then so there's a scene if you haven't seen it there's a scene in the video where you know yeah us west coast folk have never seen uh anybody dip a cinnamon roll in chili because it to me i mean that just sounds absurd yeah i don't know if you do that where you're from but um i was like that sounds crazy and we all tried it and we we're like damn that's pretty decent and <laughs> i was like you know what that's a good scene yeah like that's a decent that's a decent scene that's different um and then at the end, that was kind of like one of those things I really like latched onto. I was like, oh, is, is, is the sweet and the salty like a theme of hunting? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I really like really tried to deep dive into the cinnamon roll and chili thing, <laughs> probably to a point of fault. <laughs> but um, at the end of the movie, that's why I had I had, uh, you know, Trevor and Alex eat it again. Yeah. And and um I was just like, you know what? In a lot of ways, hunting is it's like cinnamon roll and chili. Yeah. You know? It's sweet, it's salty, you know. It's and you just never know until you try it. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> so, so that was one of those things where I was like, this is a really heady deep theme that maybe nobody who's watched that has even realized. But but that was something that I was really thinking about in that story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something uh different. I've never heard of cinnamon rolls and chili until uh you guys put that out there but i'm glad that yeah Nebraska you you had never like <laughs> you'd never seen that before i've never seen that before how does that sound to you i just i mean i love chili and i love cinnamon rolls but like dipping them in each other it's just something different like i think a cinnamon rolls is breakfast and chili is dinner so <laughs> I, I mean that that's where i was coming from yeah for sure like yeah it's 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 weird it's kind of like the frosty with the french fry thing mm. like people really dig that to me it's kind of like one of those things where like yeah it's sweet and salty and one's hot and the other one's frozen yeah it's just two different things together it was one of those things where it tasted exactly how you expected it to taste but it wasn't like (laughs) bad you're like it kind of works in a weird way but I was so surprised that, to know that everybody in that house was just like, of course we eat this. You guys don't eat this. And I was like, this is bizarre. <laughs> That's like, uh, I was talking to a guy on the podcast and they're from, um, Texas. And he was asking about the olives and beer and pickles and beer. He's like, why the hell do you guys put pickles in your beer at the bar? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just something, something you do when you live up in the middle, I guess. And that might work though. It might work. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> if you haven't had a pickle in your beer, you need to try it. Really, dude, because I I'm a huge pickle fan. In fact, in my fridge right now, I've got like eight different jars of pickles, and I'm just kind of trying to find the my favorite. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a lifelong journey to find your favorite pickle. <laughs> it's the grind. Like, you just gotta figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh just like waterfall hunting, I guess. Just gotta find that yep, right yep. right spot. But yeah, you need to try pickles in your beer. I mean, if you're a pickle right. guy, that's it's a move. Because then once you drink your beer and then you got that pickle left, 
and you just eat the pickle. Oh. Is there a particular type of beer you got to do that with? I'm guessing it's probably just like a standard lager, like a Bud Light or something. Put it in anything. I've put them in. Okay, anything. Yeah, any kind of beer works out. I mean, I usually do like a Bush Light, um, Coors Light, uh, but that's kind of what I've been kind of doing, and it works out. It tastes great. You Midwest folk love that Bush Light, <laughs> and I honestly was a hater for a little bit. Really? In, in truth be told, I was just being ignorant. And <laughs> and one day, like my buddy who, who I went hunting with, he's from Iowa. Yeah. He was like, man, we got some bush light. And I was like, really? And then I was like, all right, I'll drink one. And I took a sip. I was like, honestly, of all the beers that like exist in this caliber, it's really good. Yeah. Like I was like, it's, it's better than most. <laughs> so I was wrong. I don't know what it is. It's it's like the can for me. It kind of like almost resembles like Keystone Ice yeah. or something. Like it's got this like cheap cheap beer look to it. But no, the flavor is there. Yeah, it's good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's slept on by a lot of people. There's no question about it. Like certainly not in your neck of the woods. But no, yeah, yeah. It, it it is. Yeah, out here it is. Yeah, it's just some just something else. I mean, it's just what I kind of grew up drinking. I guess I don't know. It's just what I like and just how she goes, I guess. The college the yeah. college beverage is what I look at it as. Right on. I'm, well, I'm going to have a pickle in my bush light tonight. Yeah. Well, you're going to need to make sure to send me a picture or not. It'll be good. <laughs> All right. Give it, give it your rating. And let me know how it is. All right, I will. Is there a certain pickle that you like that uh, you're going to throw in there? <laughs> Oh, dude. Well, so here's the thing about pickles, man. Like, and you know this, if you're a pickle man, you yeah. know this, like there, the, the range of pickles is just, it's out of this world. Yeah. You get, you know, you get like the ones that are kind of like, um, the, the ones that are more fresh, the always refrigerated ones that have the good crunch. Mm -hmm. I do, I do favor that category, <laughs> but I will say that like the one, the other ones, like the ones that can, can stay warm. They always have some like crazier, kinkier flavors going on. Yeah. That sometimes I crave. Yeah. You know, sometimes you want that pickle that can only be, you can only have one of them. Yeah. Right. Like where you eat it and you're like, damn, dude, I just got like a pickle shock and I'm good to go. I'm back on track. And then, you know, the, the refrigerated ones are kind of, they're the binge pickle. You have yeah. like, you have like three of them, maybe, maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, I don't know. My my binge pickle of choice right now is uh, is Grillos or Batomte. Okay. Are... Have you had those Grillos pickles? I just ran into them in the grocery store last week, and I am floored by them. They're so good. I don't think I've had them. They come in a plastic container. Honestly, they look like garbage. Really? <laughs> but they're great. Yeah. <laughs> they're a little. They're are they a little cheaper then? I don't think so. I'll, well, if they're cheaper, I'll tell you right now, they go fast. Yeah. They, you, can, you can crush a jar of those things in one sitting. You know what you need to figure out is how you can make a documentary on pickles. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, you're going to love this. My <laughs> office mate and I, uh, he, uh, he is equally as passionate about pickles as me. Yeah. And we've been talking about actually starting like a 10-minute pickle podcast where our guests on the show are really just two pickles yeah. 
<laughs> and they have, and we have a face off and we really just talk about the pickles we just ate. And that's pretty much it. I don't know if anybody will be interested in listening to that, but I feel like making it. Oh, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely will listen to that. That sounds like a great deal. You and maybe like three other guys. <laughs> I'll be able to learn. You guys will try all the pickles for me. And then once you figure out which one's right, <laughs> then I just go right in for it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, dude, pickles, pickles are number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's people that like put olives in their beer, but you, know, you just can't go wrong with a pickle. Like, just you can't go wrong. Yeah, I don't really dig on olives. Pickles are king. Yeah, I'm not a big olive guy. Crab bin, just always kind of the Good pickles. For Good for you. Yeah. In fact, I would say that I love all foods except for olives. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, people love them. I don't know what it is about it. I can tolerate the green ones. I can tolerate them. Yeah. But like, like the black ones. Oh mm. my God. No way. They're just no not way. good. <laughs> oh, they're, they're grody. Uh, but yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be upcoming next is I'll be watching out for the pickle podcast. Yeah. We'll see if we actually ever get to that, but we talk about it a lot. <laughs> the pickle enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be uh, cool. You got any more? You got any more Slade questions or filmmaking stuff? I mean, I think we covered a lot of it, dude. Like, dude, yeah, that's the longest I've ever talked about myself. Yeah, honestly, it felt really good. That's awesome. Well, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, m- most of the time I feel like I people are either like you know they're not super interested in what I do, or like sometimes like I just I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of you know, my friends will be like, well, what did you do at work today? Or, you know, yeah. what'd you do at work today? And I'm like, well, I went to this really cool place and I like ran around with my friends and stuff. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm just kind of like, that sounds like, I don't know. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds silly sometimes like to be a filmmaker. It sounds like it's not like a real job, uh, but it really, it really is. Oh, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work and it's exhausting. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I love it. I love it. I love making waterfowl movies. Love making all movies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you kind of want to go over before we wrap this thing up here? Dude, I mean, no, thanks for having me on the show. It was, it was a fun chat and uh, love to catch up with you in person down the road. Maybe, uh, you know, film some, film some hunting with you. Yeah, absolutely, brother. It was such a treat to have you on in honor and uh, get to chat with you. That was awesome. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. So I'll chat with you later, and uh, you have a fun one with that pickle and beer. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) All right, see ya. All right, bye. And that wraps things up today for Living the Guide Life. Um, What a treat to get to talk to Mather. Super bright dude, and really just really good at telling stories. I mean, I can't get over his films that he does and he's worked along with. just a really great storyteller and just knows what to be looking for and really discusses the topics on what happens when you're a filmer out in the hunting industry. Um, so that's a really neat side of it too on the different angles that he has to get or work around or what he feels like. Oh, sometimes the birds are watching, whatever that is. Um, he knows it all and uh, he's, he's quite the man himself. So it was super fun getting to chat with him as well as go let us know what your favorite pickle is. Um, me and Mather, we're pickle enthusiasts. 
make sure to let us know. We're uh, always down to try new pickles. So hope you guys enjoyed this one.